Well, about one hour north of here in Centralia, Pennsylvania, in the 1960s, the, the town people decided that, you know what, we're going to have our city dump in one of the old abandoned mines, a coal mine. And so that's what they began to do. But then in May of 1962, they decided, you know what, to make more room for more trash, we should actually start to, to burn the trash. What they didn't realize is that that coal mine was still connected through some series of small tunnels to the existing mines of the town. And so as soon as they lit it on fire, it started to spread all over. The, the temperature rose in there to over 600 degrees Fahrenheit, and it just kept spreading and spreading and spreading throughout all of the coal mines. It got really, really, really bad. The, the ground began to smoke. People's foundations of their homes, they began to crumble. Two of the cemeteries in town just sort of collapsed into the abyss below. People Magazine wrote an article about it. They said, even the dead can't rest in peace in Centralia, Pennsylvania. It got really, really, really bad. Carbon monoxide started to get into people's homes. People began to get really really sick. Now, efforts were made to try to put the fire out, but the, the tunnels were just so narrow. It was difficult and dangerous to try to get in to do it. But people just kept getting worse and worse with their health. And so finally, the government leaders, both local and the state officials, decided, you know what, we're just going to buy everyone's homes. We're going to condemn every home. We're going to condemn every single building. And the town is essentially going to shut down. Today, you can still go up to Centralia, and it's a ghost town, basically. The fire actually is still going on 60 plus years later, and it's estimated it's going to continue on for another 200 plus years. Really bad. Did you know, though, that the average forest fire only takes 37 days to put out a forest fire? You're going, wait, Gilbert, why is it that we can put out forest fires so quickly, but the Centralia fire is still going to go on for hundreds and hundreds of more years? Well, there's actually two reasons. Number one, it's very, very difficult to access. Forest fire, you can easily access, but in Centralia, with all these mines and the tunnels, it's so small, you can't access it. It's really deep down. The second thing is there's an unlimited amount of supply of, of things to burn in the coal mine. Basically, they're coal mines for a reason. They had coal in them. And coal's just going to continue to burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. And so until all the fuel is consumed in those mines, the fire's going to keep on going. Now, I bring all that up because today we're continuing our series called Simple Money, Rich Life. And what I need you to understand is that money is sort of like fire, because some of you are going, wait a second, that means fire is a bad thing, right? Well, no, I've shared this with you before. Fire is just a tool. It depends on what you do with it. Fire can be a good thing. You can use it to heat up your house. You can use it to heat up your food. You, you put fire at the end of a wick of a candle, and it's going to provide light for you. So fire is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. And see, it's the exact same thing with money. Money is neither good nor bad. It just depends on what are you doing with it. Now, I know some of you are going, but Gilbert, doesn't the Bible say that, that money is the root of all evil? And the answer to that is, no, it doesn't. In fact, let me make two points on that. Number one, remind, uh, I want to remind you what I said back in the evidence series a couple months ago. The Bible doesn't say anything, right? 
Bible doesn't say anything. Matthew said some things. Mark said some things. Luke said some things. John said some things. In this case, Peter, he said some things. What does he have to say? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So it's the love of money, not money itself, that's the root of all kinds of evil and what we need to be cautious of. In other words, when money is the first thing that's in your heart, that's when it's destructive, both to you and to other people as well. You see, our hearts are like that coal mine up in Centralia. The, the heart, it, it's deep. It's difficult to access what's truly going on inside of your heart. And there's an unlimited amount of fuel that'll keep burning if money is what we have first in our lives. Proverbs 27, 20, we read this. Human desires are like the world of the dead. There's always room for more. They are never satisfied. John Rockefeller, who was the, the, the richest man in his day and time. In fact, did you know that he had 1% of all of the wealth of the United States during his time? One man, 1% of the entire wealth of the, the entire country. A reporter once asked him, they said, well, how much money is enough? I mean, how much do you really need? To which he replied, I need just a little bit more. See, that's an example of somebody who money is burning in their heart. And that's what we need to be cautious of. That's when it becomes dangerous. There's an old saying that says a wise man should have money in his head, but never in his heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both what? You can't serve both God and what? God and money. Notice Jesus doesn't say that you can't serve both God and Satan. He says you can't serve both God and money. Jesus knew that money was going to be the number one competitor that he'd have for your heart. It's the number one thing that would keep you from, from living for him fully. And so we've got to be very, very careful about this. I've shared this before. We've got to be careful that we're serving the almighty God and not the almighty dollar. That's why we've got to put our faith and our trust in Jesus instead of money and possessions. And so Jesus says, you know what? The, the number one way to measure does money control you or are you controlling your money is through your giving. Now, we're going to talk about that next week. But giving is the number one barometer of what controls your life, what controls your heart. Dustin, who was with us here a couple weeks ago as we finished up the Encountering God Jesus series, he shared with you the story of the rich young ruler. Remember this young man, money was at the center of his life. It was deep in his heart. And what was Jesus' prescription to him? He said, go and sell it all. Now that man didn't do it. But then we see like uh, Nicodemus in Scripture. Nicodemus, he's very wealthy. He's a tax collector. And we're not exactly sure what Jesus said to him, but by the end of his encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus says, you know what? I'm selling everything I have and I'm giving it to the poor and anybody that I may have ripped off throughout the years. So again, Jesus' prescription for making sure that your heart is right is give and give and give and give. 
I gave all that as a, a long introduction here today because we're going to get into the second part of John Wesley's famous formula when it comes to money. We looked at it last week. Let me remind you of it again. You need to do what? You need to earn all you can. You need to save all you can. Then you need to give all you can. And then the last one's important. Enjoy it all. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. And enjoy it all. Now I want you guys to really get this by the end of the series. And so I want you to close your eyes. Right now, close your eyes. Don't fall asleep on me, but close your eyes. And what is it? We need to earn all you can. You need to save all you can. You need to give all you can, and you need to enjoy it all. What are the four words? You need to earn, save, give, and enjoy. All right, you can open your eyes. Earn, save, give, and enjoy. Now, next week, or uh, last week, I should say, as we began the series, we, we got things a little out of order, didn't we? Because we talked about saving all that you can. That's where we started. And the reason that we started there is because that's where most people get messed up. As I shared with you, people don't have an income problem here in this country. What they have is a spending problem. We live off of 100% of our income, and then we complain that, oh, I'm just barely getting by. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And then when an emergency comes along, oh, man, you have a financial crisis on your hand because you've never learned to save. So that's where we started. Save all you can. Today I want to talk to you about the second part of that formula, which is that you need to earn all you can. Now, I know some of you are going, but Gilbert isn't like earning a lot of money. Isn't that like sinful in some way? Well, no. Remember what we've talked about so far. Money isn't the problem. Money is just the tool. It's what do you do with the money. So it's not about earning a lot of money. It's about what do you do once you have earned a lot of money. Are you using money to pursue your own selfish desires and needs and wants? Or are you using the money that you've earned to further God's kingdom, to further his purposes here on this earth? You see, if you're self-focused, that's a recipe for disaster. And here's something else you need to understand about money. If you're a lying, cheating scumbag with a little bit of money, guess what you'll become with a lot of money? A lying, cheating scumbag. If you're generous, if, if you, like, tithe now, then you getting, you know, rich or something, that isn't going to change your generosity. See, if you learn to tithe and give and be generous when you have a little, you'll tithe and be generous when you have a lot. If you don't give when you have a little, when you have a lot, that's not going to change anything for you. You see, what happens with money is money just amplifies what's already going on in your heart. Money amplifies your character. Money amplifies your habits. Guess what a drug addict's going to do if they get more money? What are they going to do? Buy more drugs. More money just amplifies your habits. More money just amplifies who you already are. Now take somebody like Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, she started out as a poor nun in India. Had very little, but you know what she did have? She had a heart for Jesus that said, I'm going to give everything that I get. And so even though she was poor, she kept giving and giving and giving and giving. And you know what? By the end of Mother Teresa's life, she was actually quite wealthy. 
And you win the Nobel Peace Prize, they give you a million dollars just for that. But you know what she did with all the money? She gave it away. She built more and more and more orphanages. So again, money just amplifies what's already going on in your life, what's already going on in your heart. So we need to earn more. Earn as much as you can. Because if you have a heart for Jesus, you're going to do the right thing with that money. You're going to bless people. You're going to help the, the poor and the needy in Harrisburg. You're going to help the poor and the needy throughout our country and all around the world. Because your heart is in the right place. Now in the book, Simple Money, Rich Life by Bob Lotech, which we're basing this series off of, I, I would recommend that you pick up a copy of the book. It's not very expensive. But he actually devotes six chapters just to this thing of how do you earn more here in America in a more digital world and society. Let me give you just a couple of the, the highlights. And before we even get to that, though, let me just first of all remind you that your earning potential, whether you're an employee or you're a freelancer, you're a business owner, is directly proportional to how indispensable you are. Does that make sense? This is why, like, when they advertise, you know, uh, no experience needed for this job, it doesn't pay very much money, does it? Why? Because anybody can do it. Anybody could do it. And so since anybody could do it, they are like, we don't have to pay a lot of money for that. But now let's look at like a, a doctor or a lawyer. Very, very few people go through the entire process that they go through in order to become a doctor or a lawyer. And since there's so few people that are doing it, they're able to charge more money because they're more indispensable than other people. It doesn't make them better than other people. It just means that what they're doing, it's more indispensable. Now, I know some of you are going, but Gilbert, I'm not smart. I'm not athletic. I don't know how to sing. I can't become a professional in any of those things. So what am I going to do about that? Well, here, here's the good news for you. There's two paths to earning a lot of money here in the United States. The first path is be like the top 1%, that you were born with immense talent. You're an athlete, you're a singer, you're an actor, uh, you're just so smart that you invented something that Google or Amazon buys for you for millions and millions and millions of dollars. That's probably not most of us, right? We're probably not the top 1% of something in the world. So there's a second way that you can earn a lot of money. And it's simply this. All of us are in the top 25% of at least one or two or three or four categories. And these are our natural gifts or passion. It could be, you know, just a hobby that we have. Again, there's things that you do that you are in the top 25% of the world. And what you can do is you take that and you, first of all, discover what it is, and then you refine that. And then you combine those things together. So just being the top 25% in one thing in the world, you're probably not going to earn more money with it. But if you can figure out a way to combine the things that you're the top couple things in the world, then you can do it. Let me give you an example. Uh, and actually, this guy's in the news today. I just actually saw this last night before I went to bed. I'll explain it here in just a second. How many of you heard of Scott Adams before? You ever heard of Scott Adams? If you haven't heard of Scott Adams, you know the cartoon that he draws called Dilbert. You ever heard of Dilbert before? Okay. Scott Adams was a guy working at a, just an office job. 
and frustrated by many of the things that was going on in his office. But here's what he realized. He realized that, you know what? I can draw better than most people. I'm not the top artist in the world. I'll never be paid millions of dollars for my paintings or my drawings and sketches. But I'm a pretty good at drawing things. And then he thought, you know what? I'm, I'm actually pretty funny as compared to the, the average person. And so what he did is he took these couple things that he's the top 25% in the world of drawing and of humor, and then he took his experiences that he had at his workplace, and he started to draw these cartoons. Now, at first, it was just a nice little side income that he was making, but eventually he went on, and he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars because of it. Again, he's not the top 1% comedian. He's not the top 1% artist. But he took these things and his life experiences and he combined it together to make more income. Now, he's in the news because apparently he's pretty racist. And so, like a lot of newspapers just yesterday announced they're dropping um, his stuff. So, uh, again, sometimes what money is just going to do is amplify what's already going on in your heart. But the, the point still remains. What is it that you do better than most people in the world? Take a couple of those things, start to combine them together, and you can make more and more and more and more. Now, some of you are going, but Gilbert, that's not me. I'm not the top 25% in anything. I mean, that's just not the way that God made me. But that's not true. Look at Psalm 139.14. This applies to all of us. The psalmist here writes, I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made. Your works are miraculous and my soul is fully aware of this. Listen, when God made you, he didn't make a mistake. God does not make junk. He gave you gifts and skills and abilities and talents and passions and your own personality. He gave you all those things for a reason. Ultimately, that reason is to glorify God and to help to advance his kingdom. And, you know, another thing that he's given you all those things is because he does want you to earn more. Because he knows that if your heart is right with him, you're going to use that to be generous and make a difference. Now, I know some of you are still finding this hard to believe. You're going, Gilbert, I'm nobody special. But I love the, the quote from Einstein. He said this, Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Isn't that great? If you're a fish, you're being judged on your ability to climb a tree, and everybody's like, oh, you can't climb a tree. You're going to live your whole life as a fish believing that you're stupid. And so what I'm saying to you is this, if you're a fish, find your pond. If you're a tiger, find your jungle. If you're a bird, find the air that you can fly around in. Keep trying until you find your place. What are you passionate about? What do you have the skills in that, again, put you in the top 25%, not the top 1%, just the top 25%. And don't assume that you can't earn money because you probably can. Almost every like hobby that somebody has in the world, including your hobby, somebody is making money off of it. Let me give you a couple tips in the book of what Bob talks about that, all right, how do you take these top 25% and combine them together and, and, and just 
growing, growing, growing those things until you're earning a little bit of money. So here's the first thing. Number one, I must never stop learning. Must never stop learning. What is it that you're in that top 25%? Read books on that topic. Watch YouTube videos on the topic. Read articles. Go to classes. Take seminars. If there's conferences about it, go and get trained. Never, ever, ever stop learning. As many of you know, before I became a pastor, I was a professional magician. I was never like the most skilled at it, but you know what I had? I had this desire to continue to learn and a very, very hard work ethic. And so I read something, or I actually I was told this uh, towards the beginning when it was just sort of a hobby for me, that if you ever want to hide a good magic trick, just put it into a book because nobody wanted to read. And so once I found out that all the good stuff is in books, Guess what I did? I just bought book after book after book after book, and I started reading them. I started practicing and practicing and practicing until at first it was a side income, and eventually it became my full-time occupation in what I did for, what, 13 years of my life. Again, I was never the top 1% of the world's magicians. But what I did have was this, this desire to learn And here's what I want you to hear. When it comes to your ability to earn money, there's a lot of things that are out of your control. But there's one thing that isn't out of your control, and that's you. You. So you get to decide, what are you going to do every night? Are you going to sit around and just watch Netflix for three, four, five hours until you go to bed? Or are you going to take a little bit of time to learn more about something that you have a passion about, that you have some skills in. Now, I'm not saying never to entertain yourself, that that's wrong in any way. I'm just saying don't take all of your free time just to entertain. Take some time to educate yourself. There's no better education than a self-education. And listen, I've got multiple, like, degrees from colleges and stuff. That's great, but the best education that I've gotten is a self-education that's why I've shared with you before, I can't even tell you the last time I was in a vehicle that I was driving where the music was on. I mean, we're talking a long, 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 long time. And most of the time, if I have music on, it's because it's like late, late at night, and I'm driving and my eyes are barely open, and so I just like need to crank some rock music or something just to like stay awake. I started this when I was in my early 20s, and I'll be turning 50 here in June. In my early 20s, I started doing this. It was cassette tapes back in the day. Learning, educating myself. Then it became CDs, and now it's on my phone, you know, through the Bluetooth and speakers and stuff. You know how many books I've listened, or I was going to say read, but I was given air quotes for listen, but uh, read uh, that I've listened to? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books during a time that most people are just driving and they're bopping along to the most popular music of the day. What am I doing? Educating myself. I've turned my car into a mobile classroom. You can do the same thing. Now, again, I'm not saying never, ever have your music on. 
I'm just saying, you've got to take that time to go and to travel anyway. It's, it's wasted time every time you need to get in your car and do something. So why not educate yourself? And who knows, maybe that's going to educate you enough that you're going to be able to earn some additional income, that you're going to be able to be generous towards God's kingdom. Number two, then, I must solve a problem or make something better. And the things that you're in the top 25%, your hobby or the skills that you have, what frustrates you about that hobby? What is a problem that everybody's like, oh, man, I, I wish that we could solve this? Because if you have an idea of how to solve it or how to improve it, that can often lead to earning a lot more money. Let me give you a very practical example. During COVID, all of a sudden, like every church in America and many around the world had to start streaming their worship services. And so it was a real learning curve for a lot of us, including us here at Exponential. And one of the, the major things that was an issue was how do you take the sound that is live in a room that sounds good in the room and how do you get that to translate and, and get into somebody's speakers on their phone or their tablet or their TV? How do you get the sound right? And we struggled with that. Because every time we would tweak it to try to make it sound better at home, it would sound worse here. And when it would sound good in here, then it would sound worse for you guys watching there online. Well, there's a, a guy down in Alabama. His name's Clayton. And Clayton realized, you know what? I'm not the world's best sound engineer but I do pretty good, and I know how to use some of the tools that are usually used for post-production of music mixes. I could take some of those skills that I have, and I could use it to help churches. And so some of you probably have noticed that, like in the last couple months, our sound quality, if, if, as you're watching online at home, has greatly, greatly improved, the, the mix of it. Well, it's because Clayton helped out. And he charges a ridiculous amount of money to do that, but we needed to do it. And now he has hundreds of churches <laughs> that he has as clients. So it's become a full-time occupation for him now just doing that. So he took these couple things that he's top 25% in the world, and he said, here's a problem, and I could solve it. And now it's a full-time income for him. You're going, Gilbert, I'm not like Clayton, I'm not like others, I'm not an inventor. Okay, that's fine. But even in your existing job that you have, your 9-to-5 job, what are some problems around the office that you could help to solve? Even more specifically, how could you make your boss's job a little bit easier for him? What are some things that you could do? You see, if you'll help that, your income is going to increase, either because your boss recognizes that and says, hey, you're valuable to our company, and I'm going to give you a raise. Don't tell everybody else, but I'm giving you a raise because you're helping to improve things around here. Or if it's not there at that job, God's going to see your heart. He's going to see that servant heart that says, you know what? They're there to help other people. They're there to serve people, to make things better. And God will reward you then with another job or another means of income. And so you'll be blessed in that way. Napoleon Hill, the, the, the famous businessman, once said this, The man who does more than he has paid for will soon be paid for more than he does. Say that again. That's another great quote. The man who does more than he has paid for will soon be paid for more than he does. 
the Apostle Paul, he, he said something similar. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. Paul writes, work willingly at whatever you do, as if though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So instead of working for your boss, you're not working for your boss. You're not working for your company. You're working for Jesus. And so he says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. In fact, the Lord Christ is the one who you're really serving, and you know he will reward you. When you work for your company as unto Jesus, you will be rewarded for that whether it's in this life or the life to come, whether it's financially or in other ways, you will be rewarded. The point is, work hard, solve problems, serve people, and God is going to take care of you. Number three, then, I must never forget that earning more most often comes by giving people what they demand. In the 1850s, many Americans started to flood into California trying to pan for gold. It was the gold rush. Everybody thought that they were going to go home rich. But did you know that 99% of people that went to the gold rush came back broke? In fact, they came back poorer than what they left. Because they were chasing after riches. They were chasing after money and possessions. Only 1% actually struck it rich, including a guy that struck it rich not because of gold, but because he was listening to what the gold miners wanted. You see, every single one of them was complaining about, you know what, we don't have durable work pants for this. And so 24-year-old Levi Strauss decided to do something about it. And not only did he get filthy rich, but now generations of his family have become filthy rich as well. Why? Because he listened to what people needed and he gave them what they demanded. Again, earning more, whether it be through your business or your job, is can you solve problems and can you give people what they demand? My wife Lisa is great at this with her businesses. She doesn't give people the classes and the trainings and stuff of what she thinks that they need. She gives people what they want. And that's how she makes her income then. I'll give you one example. This was now 12 years ago. One of her hobbies was making jewelry. And so she really got into it and had all the beads and the strings and the kits and all that kind of stuff. And she got into it and was making different pieces of jewelry and got into sort of some different like groups that other people that like to do it. And so she put out what's called a flypaper. And a flypaper is just a thing where you put out like a, a survey saying, you know, what do you like about this and what don't you like about this and what are your biggest frustrations and what is it about, in this case, jewelry making that you've always wanted to learn? Well, Lisa was just a hobbyist herself with it, and so once she got all that back, she didn't know the answer, so she hired somebody, paid them a little bit of money, they were the expert, and said, here's what I want you to write a book about, these topics, and it was all the topics of what people were demanding what they wanted, the problems they wanted to have solved. And then, you know, Lisa told the, the person, you know, you're the ghostwriter for this book that I want to do. So Lisa and then her dad helped to edit it. Uh, you can still go to Amazon to this day. They self-published it. It's on Amazon, you know, go what I just put in, like, Lisa Thurston jewelry making. And you too, for $2.99, can buy the little book. Yeah. So, I mean, 
we realized it wasn't like going to be a, a national bestseller. You know, you can't get $19.99 for it. But $2.99, a lot of people are like, I want to know more about jewelry making. So even to this day, and Lisa hasn't even done jewelry making as a hobby for like 10 years now. But still to this day, we get checks, or not, it actually just directly goes into our account. Um, but we still get money, royalties from that for an idea she had 12 years ago. So that's what I'm saying. Everybody has the ability to be making more and more money, but you got to solve problems. you got to give people what they demand. And so what is it that you enjoy doing? What are you in the top 25% of? What problem can you solve? What demand can you meet? By the way, one demand that everybody wants met is faster. I don't care what industry it's in. What you're doing, everybody wants it done faster. So if you can deliver it faster, but yet at the same quality, you can make a lot of money uh, with that. So I wrap up today. Let me just encourage you with this. Nike says, just do it. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Just do it. Or if you want a more biblical analogy, step out of the boat. Don't stay sitting safely in the boat. Be like Peter. Get out of the boat because that's the only way that you'll ever, ever walk on water. Try some things. Experiment with some things. My friend Mark Batterson, he loves to say this, stop living life as if though the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. That's not the purpose of life, to just sort of drift through and just get by. No, live an adventure. Live a life of faith. Experiment. Try some things. Yes, it's scary at times. And like Peter, maybe eventually you're going to sink. But really the story with Peter is that Peter was the only one that actually walked on water. It was the other 11 that they're still sitting in the boat, safe. Don't play it safe. Try some things. Take some chances. Keep your eyes on Jesus and your heart focused on him. Earn as much as you can. Further his kingdom. So four things we're going to do. We're going to earn all we can. We're going to save all we can, we're going to give all we can, and we're going to enjoy it all. Take these principles we talked about today, figure out how you can earn as much as you can, not for you, but for the kingdom of God, so that you can give it away. And as we'll talk about next week, the more you give, the more God is going to bless back. You cannot outgive God. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself enjoying money instead of being stressed out by money. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, uh, again, your word and just that it's so practical. It talks about every single issue in an area of life, including our finances. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we continue to, to talk about money, that each and every person would just be doing a, a, a checkup of their own heart of what controls me? Am I in control of money or is the money in control of me? And that, Lord, we would just be reminded of Jesus' words there that we cannot serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other or despise one and love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, Lord, I just pray that, again, we would be doing that, that spiritual checkup of our own hearts. And, Lord, we'd be reminded, as we'll look at next week, that your prescription for making sure that money is not first place is through our giving, through our generosity, 
So, Lord, I pray that you would convict those that, that already have a relationship with you, that they need to give and give more than they think that they can give because we can't outgive you. Father, I do pray that today your spirit has been just stirring up in people's hearts and minds just ideas of, okay, maybe I'm not the top 1%, but I am pretty good at this and I'm pretty good at that, and how can I combine those things together? Spirit of God, I pray that you would just bring that to fruition for them, that they would step out of the boat, that they would just try some things. They don't have to have the full plan from day one, but they would just start small with it, try some things. Maybe earn just a couple dollars as a side income. And then ultimately, that would grow and grow and grow and grow. Until now, all of a sudden, the thing that they have a passion for would be the thing that also pays their bills. But again, God, as you grow that, help us to always be reminded that it's not about just accumulating more and more for us, for our own selfish desires. No, it's all about you and your kingdom and your purposes. So help us to become radically generous. Jesus, I thank you that you've done that in, in Lisa and I's lives as, as we've just taken our, our passions and our skills and you've helped us to generate extra income. I'm thinking of, of Nate with his pottery, that this hobby of his that, that now is a, a side income for him as well. That all of us, if we just learn a little bit more and we meet some needs and, and, and we and we saw some problems, we can use that for your kingdom and for your glory. Jesus, I pray that for each and every person that's here today, for every person that's watching online as well, that they would earn more, not for themselves, but for your glory. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.